Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 79. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Caroline Borders. And today we're going to be reacting to a New York Times article entitled, What Does the Academy Value in a Black Performance? So for those who may not know, the Academy Award nominations came out in mid-January of this year, as they do every year, and no black actors or actresses were nominated for any awards whatsoever, which is very telling and has led to hashtags like Oscars So White and numerous reactions across social media and in the public sphere. And as with any conversation of race, Caroline and I are, of course, white and acknowledge that and don't claim any expertise, but do agree with others who have said that we need to talk about this. So where would you like to begin, Caroline? When I first read this article, the statistics surrounding which black performers had been nominated and for what roles really astounded me. So maybe let's start there. In the history of the Oscars, 10 black women have been nominated for Best Actress, which is already tiny in my opinion, and nine of them played characters who are homeless or might soon become so. The exception is Viola Davis for the 2011 drama The Help. So already we have a demonstration of black people playing very stereotypically black roles. And a few more commonalities to note. Seven of those 10 Best Actress nominees played characters with absent or incarcerated husbands, boyfriends, or fathers. So not only is there a commentary on what our perception is of black women and female black lives, but on their relationship to the men in their lives and how those men are either incarcerated or just simply absent altogether. And six of these 10 characters portrayed suffer physical abuse, with five of them being raped. For black men who played different sorts of roles, they were also honored more often. Black men have been up for Best Actor 20 times, with four nominations going to Denzel Washington, three to Morgan Freeman, and two each to Sidney Poitier and Mr. Smith. Thirteen of these recognized performances involve being arrested or incarcerated. Another stereotype for black people in the U.S. Which to add to, seven of the actors' films feature no major black female characters, and seven of the characters abuse or mistreat women. So again, a stereotype is being put forth that either black individuals are on their own when they are succeeding, or, in the case of these black actors, that our perception is of black men as being aggressive, which is in keeping with a narrative we have in America that frankly black men can't be trusted, are violent, or are criminal. And to clarify, that's not how I feel, but it's very clear that as a country, on either subliminal or in certain cases far more vocal levels, that is how we as a nation feel and absolutely has to be addressed. I totally agree. And I think one thing both these portrayals of black men and women demonstrate is this idea that black people are out of control and they must be dominated. And if they can play that well in a way that is supposedly honest to that stereotype, and I use air quotes when I say honest, then the Academy rewards that because it's demonstrating in a supposedly truthful way the struggle that white Americans are dealing with our country's racist past and how that haunts us. And thus, black people continue to be represented in this way because we can't escape it. And by we, I mean white America. And I'm reminded of a concept we've discussed in an anthropology class that I'm currently taking on Native American issues in North America 
which is this idea of playing Indian. And playing and performing are essential concepts when it comes to issues of race and ethnicity because our biases and prejudices and stereotypes about how other people are demand reassurance on some level. And so if I live my life presuming that black people are violent or dangerous or criminal or any of the other terrible things that have been described in these films, one, films that portray black people in this light are going to reassure what I already believe is true. And two, I might not consider certain portrayals to be as authentic if they don't match the stereotypes that I've already been given. And you reach this very problematic cycle where all that is repeated are these stereotypes because that critical thought isn't put forward and eventually a cycle is produced that effectively requires that black people perform in a certain way, not simply on screen, because in this hegemonic system there is a self-fulfilling prophecy that is created by racist stereotypes. And I think it's very easy to say, well, there's the problem, let's solve it. But even in discussing this, there are definitely subconscious things that I've learned about other races that I may not consciously believe, but have to be dug up and critically examined. And it isn't as easy as having a single conversation about it or even confronting those at the academy who act this way. But it is a start, in my opinion. What's even more interesting is looking at the roles that white people have been considered for and thinking about had a black person played that role, would they have been considered for an Oscar? And this article, and I would agree with it, argues that no, they wouldn't be. For example, the Academy has never nominated a black leading actor for a role like Woody Grant in Nebraska which is an idiosyncratic person who is both fictional and unexceptional. It seems that black roles must embody in some way an extreme. They must be poor. They must be in dire circumstances, for example, being imprisoned or being a slave or being raped, or they must be great or completely tragic. And on the other hand, when thinking about black women, this article also points out that no black woman has ever been nominated for a role as an executive or a college-educated woman, that those roles are in some way too normal for a black woman to embody in a way that is exceptional. And I'm glad that you bring up the idea of being normal because on some level these films assert that black people are not normal. They're shown in exceptional roles, whether that's positive or negative. And even in the case of portraying a black triumph, the fact that it's shown as an exception on some level reasserts this idea to perhaps comfort a racist white America that you don't have to worry. Not every black person is going to succeed, but you can feel happy about this one individual who did to perhaps assuage some guilt about your racist history as a country. And it's essential to me that we discuss history because a number of films that feature black actors prominently are historically based. And I feel that on some level, we've subconsciously tried to remind ourselves that racism is in the past when that's clearly not the case given current events. But in coming to believe that to be true, the idea of black identity is withheld from the future. And there are plenty of science fiction movies and TV shows that portray humanity in the future. But if you restrain black identity to the past, then you are in many ways discouraging progress of that group of people, which is inexcusable. 
And a final point that I'm reminded of when thinking about this idea of change is that individual characters and films that contain predominantly black actors or actresses may depict change over the course of the movie's arc. But the fact that many of these roles all bear similarity to one another says that as a whole, the industry of film does not show change on the level of black identity, which is very telling because it says that individuals might branch out from the group and prove that triumph and blackness are not opposing ideals. But if you show incarceration and criminal behavior and rape and victimhood and homelessness and poverty as various aspects of black identity as a whole, they become this negative mask that represents black identity to viewers who are not only white. There's the very troubling side effect that black viewers, potentially young black viewers who don't know much about their racial identity, will come to see themselves as deserving of those very uncomfortable, unfortunate, and atrocious events, circumstances, and statuses. And that they may believe as a result that, oh, that's what I identify with. That's what's represented. That's what's valued in society, apparently. So that's what I identify with. And yes, among our racial groups, we strive to feel validated. But when you think about the enormous number of movies that are about normal white people, those aren't described as white movies. When you think about, as this article mentions, making a movie about a black person, a normal black person, non-stereotyped. And then you think, oh, that black person, like many white people, might be friends with people of their same race. And then suddenly it's a black movie like Tyler Perry, which no white people go see because it's not considered something that they could identify with. Whereas there are plenty of black people that go see all white casts in movies. It's as if the idea of black culture is something that is so far removed from America as a whole that it's niche. And in order to integrate it into white film, they must play the roles that are associated with white people. And as this article also mentions, in many of these roles that black actors were nominated, they had some sort of white counterpart, some sort of person, which I might go as far to say, to keep them on leash and to keep that character relatable to a larger audience, which I think reveals about the film industry not only its main audience, that it is middle-class white heterosexual males, but that because those middle-class white heterosexual males are largely more conservative and will embody a more normative way of thinking, that Hollywood just ends up reinforcing a lot of stereotypes rather than pushing against them because that's what they know will sell tickets. And Brandon K. Thorpe, the author of this New York Times article we've been referencing, said, I shared these numbers with Dr. Todd Boyd, the author and professor of critical studies at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts. The Oscars are a symptom, he said, and not the illness itself, which I find to be a very telling but somewhat simplistic quotation. Because I would agree that racism precedes portrayals of racism, but as I said earlier, it can also propagate racism, and for those who are introduced to racial identity and perhaps knew nothing or little about it before seeing certain films, when seeing films that portray black identity in very limited and negative ways, I do think that those films can be the illness of misperception, misunderstanding, and ultimately racism as both a symptom and the original illness that preceded that symptom. 
And I think a number of reasons that people struggle to talk about race is because while there may be certain clear points of origin, it does become a spiral-like structure that has numerous new origins of new spirals of cruel and unfair behavior. And again, returning to the article, Dr. Miriam J. Petty, an assistant professor in the Department of Radio, Television, and Film at Northwestern University, said, These are largely isolated characters, and they're bound to the destinies of the white people with whom they appear in these films, as you said, Caroline, which also has a very serious undertone that not only does white America believe black individuals to be lesser than, but that their success is inherently bound to what white Americans are willing to give them and that any black success involves a degree of white sympathy, which in and of itself is a very troubling, complicated, and in my opinion, false thing to say and to believe. Exactly. And I think if you look at movies about black people who try to make it on their own, oftentimes those films are biopics. I mean, look at the movies that came out this past year that didn't get nominated. We have Beasts of No Nation, which talks about a warlord in Africa and a young orphan with guerrilla soldiers, a remarkable tale. Which is an excellent movie that I would personally highly recommend. And then we have Michael B. Jordan in Creed, which is about the son of a great boxer who goes on to also be a great boxer. And then we have Concussion. And then we have Straight Outta Compton, which is about gangster rap and the founders of gangster rap. And none of these men got nominated for roles, even though these roles embody what is most often nominated in the Academy. So yes, maybe they don't have some white counterpart, though in Creed there is one who was nominated, but they are still focused on the violent, the tragic, and the exceptional, and they're still not succeeding. So it's hard to think that the only symptom in the Academy is not enough racial diversity in roles, because I think society is still shaping the way we want to view movies and the way we want to understand the stories that movies create. And in that sense, it's very hard to say to Black people that there will be more roles in the future if the Academy makes more roles, but they just resemble more of the roles that are valued, per se. While we've mentioned issues of gender, I do think that the primary focus of this conversation is necessarily the racial issue surrounding film and the Academy as a source of film critique and film appreciation because both black actors and actresses have suffered similar consequences of racism, as this article points out. I also think it's worth considering what we want to see versus what we need to see because the role of film for most people, unless you are a film critic or someone else intimately involved in the film industry, is one of entertainment. People rarely see films to be informed, and if they do, it is usually as a secondary objective, and I feel that most people would see films like Lincoln or other historically based movies to be entertained in the process of learning. And I think that's one of the most difficult crossroads between issues of race and film and portrayal in film because it isn't entertaining or enjoyable to watch the atrocities that African Americans have suffered as a result of issues of race. And I feel like the industry struggles to 
show that in a nuanced way or make that, if not appealing, at least understandable to various audiences. And in my mind, white audiences need to be targeted by certain films to understand issues of race that we do not discuss as a country. And I don't say this from any pedestal of enlightenment because I certainly don't understand much about race, although I would like to. But this issue is very clear and the response from numerous white actors or other white individuals has been troubling, to say the least. Michael Caine essentially said, be patient. If you want these awards, then perhaps you should work on your acting. And in my opinion, that could be paraphrased as saying you should stop whining and complaining. And he's saying that from a position of privilege that, again, we also don't discuss in this country very much. Same with Meryl Streep when she was asked about the Oscar so white hashtag. She said, well, we're all really African anyway. Our ancestors originated in Africa. And she's not wrong, but she's pretty wrong in the sense that she's completely dismissing African-American identity and what it means to be a black actor in Hollywood. It's the same thing that people do when they say all lives matter in opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement. In trying to point out that there's not enough racial representation in the Oscars, people end up getting defensive rather than engaging in the actual dialogue. And to me, that philosophy behind those who would say, well, all lives matter, is that from a white perspective, you're concerned that black pride will take the form of problematic white pride, which has resulted in racism, oppression, and terrible acts of violence that continue today, even if in more subtle forms. And I think it needs to be understood that black pride and more black performances that are authentic and represent black voices and black perspective will not eclipse other voices. They will simply be added to a larger conversation. And I would also say, at least from my perspective, that if they were to partially or largely obscure white voices, it feels somewhat deserved in that white voices have dominated the canon, not simply in film, but in literature and various other media. And there definitely isn't a quality in the way that we capture and distribute the voices of the world we live in. So before we close the episode, what are some things you'd like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion? One thing that I've been grappling with recently is the idea of race and how I can work to bridge the gap between black and white, especially in our country, and how divided it has become, even if we think that the era of racism is over. I recently went to a talk here at Kenyon College where Beverly Tatum came to talk, and she's a psychologist. And people ask many questions about this, me included. And one thing that really resonated, because it's true, is the idea that white people don't want to engage in the conversation because they're afraid of appearing racist. And she said, the solution is to engage, and people will forgive you because you are trying to engage in the conversation and trying to learn. And if you approach it in that way, especially as a white ally, then you're going to begin to bridge that gap. The best thing you can do is ask questions, talk about race, not get defensive, but actually engage in the problems. And yes, the Oscars are trying to make it the most diverse presenting year, but that's not really solving the problem. As this article says, it's just a symptom. And if we can really engage in the racial discourse that film demonstrates and see ways that we can challenge that and push those stereotypes, then I think we can start making headway towards a less divisive 
racial geography in the U.S. I completely agree, especially with that rhetoric of engagement and proactive engagement. And I would say that you should ask questions. I would also further that by saying that you should do so without presumption, because a number of people that may not believe themselves to be racist do so in a very presumptuous way, as though they already know certain aspects of black culture. And one thing I've learned is that you have no idea how people will respond. And that's the point of asking the question and then listening patiently. And as it relates to film, I would encourage listeners of ours to be observant of the roles you see depicted in films, especially black roles and what patterns they might fall into. Or if you disagree with this article, what illusory patterns you think are out there. And I'll admit that I do agree with what Mr. Thorpe has said, but I'm sure certain listeners of ours might not. And that being said, we do want this, as always, to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between, especially given the discussion of race, which we may not have handled in the way that certain listeners would prefer. So if you have any comments, opinions, concerns, or feedback of any kind, please feel free to reach out to us. You can connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook, where you can like our page and get updates when we post new episodes. And you can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with others you think might enjoy or get something out of this conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Caroline Borders. We'll see you next time.